Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. And while I am still far from being the perfect dad, I have learned a thing or two on this journey called fatherhood. And so I have written a little book called Cut the Crap, Direct Tips for Becoming a Dad. I want to walk you through the book and tell you a little bit about it today. I wrote this book because this is the book that I would have read when I was becoming a father. And while I did have this watered-down version of what a dad really is, thinking that it was all about survival, that humanity still exists, so apparently men have managed as dads, as a dad now, I would not think the same way. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com. Well, I'll be honest. I never imagined that my first published book would have the word crap in the title. I think about when I was a little bit younger, some of the stuff that I used to write about. There was one thing in particular that I thought, I might turn this into a book. I was doing something on the topic of pneumatology, which is the study of the Spirit of God, and then I realized I am too young and I am too ignorant to write on this. So I stopped, but in recent times, I've been working on another book on the topic of fatherhood, what I believe we are doing as dads and how we ought to go about that. That's not what this book is. This actually came to me in prayer one evening, and I know some people might think, well, if God inspired you to write this book, why would you put crap in the title? I would say go read the Apostle Paul, because in one of his letters, he uses a choice word that's a little harsher than crap, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just having some fun with you. What I want to do today is tell you why I wrote this book, who I wrote this book for, and then I'll take you through chapter by chapter and give you a little bit about what's inside. But I'm not going to give you that much, because this book is short. If you're watching, you can see that for yourself. And if you've heard the title, then you should understand. That's exactly what I tried to do with this book, is I tried to cut the crap and just condense this, not completely watered down, but I wanted to give you tips, things that you need to practice, things that you need to work on, things that you need to be mindful of, as a father. Now, let me tell you first why I wrote this book. One, it came to me in prayer, but the inspiration behind it had to do with me when I was getting ready to become a dad. My wife was very passionate about preparing for motherhood and becoming a parent. She read as many books as she could, and she encouraged me to read the books as well. I didn't read a single one of them. I don't even know that I touched them. And there were two main reasons why. The first reason is I thought to myself, if all of these other men had become dads and raised children from the dawn of time, and humanity still exists, I should be okay. So while that was a low standard on fatherhood, that was my idea. And secondly, I don't love to read. I read because I know it's good, but I like to read out loud. If I'm going to retain and grasp the content to the best of my ability, I'm going to read out loud, which isn't always acceptable. It's like the people 
who are out at the restaurant or the coffee shop and they play music or the sound from their videos that they're watching out loud without headphones. I didn't want to be that guy. And so I don't. I don't do that. I read out loud when I have privacy. Preferably, though, I want to watch something or I want to listen to something. That's how I take in majority of my information. That's just that's just my preference. So when I saw my wife coming home with these 200, 300, 400 plus page books on everything you need to know to be a successful parent, I didn't want anything to do with that. I thought to myself, there can't just be some definitive guide on parenting and on fatherhood. That can't exist. All the families are different. There cannot be a, there just can't be a one size fits all. It doesn't exist. So I didn't think it was necessary. But I wrote this book because I didn't have a resource like this available when I was starting out on this journey called fatherhood. I would have read something like this. One, it's short. Two, the title's kind of edgy. Cut the crap. That would have been enough for me to want to read this book. The length, and then I also... I also gave this a bit of a workbook style. So there are some application sections after each chapter. There's an area for notes after each chapter. I wrote this book because this is the book that I would have read when I was becoming a father. And while I did have this watered-down version of what a dad really is, thinking that it was all about survival, that humanity still exists, so apparently men have managed as dads, as a dad now, I would not think the same way. Yes, there's a little bit of truth to it, but as a father, I realize the significance of dads and the role that we have in, in our family, but also in society. Fathers are valuable, and you cannot put a price on dads. And knowing that to be true now, I think it is worth any extra and additional effort that we can put towards our identity as dad. So I would highly recommend if you are getting ready to become a father that you do something to prepare. And I think this is a good place to start. So I would recommend this book. And I wrote this one for me several years ago when I was expecting to become a dad. So if you are a soon-to-be father this book is for you. If you are a new father, I would have still benefited from something like this. I would recommend that you get this book. And even if you are in the same situation as I am now, writing this book did help me. I have three kids, and there's talks for a fourth. But I would still recommend something like this because I don't give you physical preparation. I'm not trying to tell you get this style of crib. <laughs> That's pointless. I talk about six things that you have to continue to do, that you have to continue to be mindful of. Because being a dad is its a change in your identity, and it's something that never goes away. You will always be a dad. So on the journey that we call fatherhood, you don't just kick back and relax in your lazy boy at the starting line. That's not how this works. You have to to grow and you have to learn because the journey of fatherhood is one of learning and continual growth. So if you want to just fuel the growth and 
help yourself in your quest to be a better dad every day, something like this might be helpful. You can go back and you can reflect, you can jot down your notes, and it is really good for us occasionally to go back and to assess ourselves and just to ensure that we're in the place that we need to be, that we have our values and our priorities aligned. So any dad, I think, will benefit from this, but especially new dads and soon-to-be dads. So maybe you don't want this book for yourself, but you might know someone who would benefit from it. Let them know about it or purchase it as a gift for them. But that's who this is for, and that's why I wrote this. But let me go through the book and give you the six tips that I talk about. Now, obviously, again, I'm not giving you everything because it's short and sweet, but there's one thing that I point out in the book at the very beginning that I think is really important. This is one of the things that I learned after becoming a dad. It's common sense for us. We all know that becoming a father is going to change our lives. We know that. You bring a kid into your home, you're bringing change into your home. Well, change happens. But what we fail to realize and recognize sometimes is how much change we need to make in ourselves when becoming a father. And I think that's the mentality that we need to have. That's why I give it at the very outset of the book before I even get to the tips, because I want you to have that mentality. There's change that I have to make. And if you'll work on the changes that you have to make in you, I think that will help you with the changes that come naturally when a baby comes into your home. But chapter one is about perspective. Perspective is a powerful thing. The way that we perceive the world, it helps us interpret everything that happens to us. When things go on, we can either see the good or we can see the bad in some cases. And it's very easy to always see the bad. This is why when you think about reviews at restaurants or any feedback that's given, people are more likely to give negative feedback than they are positive feedback because they get angry and they get vengeful and they want to get back at the restaurant that treated them poorly and they will leave a bad review. Typically, things have to be really good for someone to get a positive review. So we have the tendency to see the negative more than we see the positive. And I talk about perspective because I want you to see the positive with fatherhood. Because overall, overwhelmingly, it is positive. Being a dad is one of the most fulfilling things that you will ever be privileged to do. It is awesome. It is fun. It is incredible. And I want you to have that perspective going into it because a lot of people will be happy for you when you're expecting that first kid and they will rally behind you, but then they will say things like, I hope you've done everything you want to do because your life is getting ready to end. It's not getting ready to end. It is getting ready to start. And I want you to have that perspective. So I take a little bit of time, a little bit of time talking about that. It's the first thing that I offer in this book is perspective. And just so you have an idea of what these application exercises look like, here's the first thing that I do. Application number one, if you want to get in the habit of thinking positively, you have to practice. Make a list of seven things you are thankful for. I would encourage you to add to this list regularly, daily, or weekly. I want you to get in the habit of seeing the good. And so I want you to jot down what you can think of in the moment, but I want you to continue this exercise and this practice so that you become accustomed to seeing the good in life. Because if you can see the good in life, 
Being a dad is a part of that. You'll see the good in fatherhood. Perspective is the first thing. Chapter two, be willing to change. This is why I mentioned this at the outset of this book. You have to be willing to change. If you're not willing to change, then there's going to be tension and friction in your home, and that is not what you need. You have to be man enough, and I like to say dad enough, to assess yourself, the things that you do, the way that you speak, the hobbies that you have. You have to look at your life, and you have to honestly assess yourself and make sure that you are the man you need to be, the husband your wife needs you to be, and the father your children need you to be. So I don't give you the changes that you need to make. I give you three guiding questions that you need to ask yourself. Look at what you do. Look at your personality. Look at how you go about life. Ask yourself these questions and then make the adjustments. But you have to be willing to change. Chapter number three, I talk about discipline. Discipline is one of those things that a lot of people struggle with. I still struggle with discipline. I am not as disciplined as I want to be, but I am intentional about some things. And those things I talk about in this book, there are five things that I think we all need to be disciplined about. They help us grow in different ways, in different areas of our life. And again, fatherhood is a journey of continual growth and learning. So we have to be growing. Too often we feel like life is out of control, like we're overwhelmed, nothing is going the way that we want. We can have some control over our life. If we have disciplines in place and we're doing things consistently every single day where there's a continual focus on particular areas of our life, everything's not going to feel like it's just a storm all the time. We're going to have some control. We're going to be able to get through difficult times because we've been consistent in these downtimes and all the periods that we're facing. And every day, every day that comes our way, we are being diligent and disciplined in particular areas. I talk about five things that I believe, if you'll focus on these and be intentional about these, life will be a lot easier for you. And you want that. You want everything you can to be a little easier when you become a dad, because being a dad is tough work. So if everything's not a huge challenge, that's good for you. And the thing that I want you to catch about discipline, and I end this chapter with this idea, is that discipline is not trying to do the most that you can all the time. Some people think about discipline in terms of fitness as I've got to be swole. My shirts have to fit tight. I have to buy the size up so that I don't look like a macho man all the time. That's not discipline with your fitness. Discipline is everyday efforts. You going on a 20-minute walk every day is discipline with your fitness. You don't have to have a six-pack to say that you're disciplined in your fitness. It's about everyday efforts. So that's what I want you to catch in that chapter. Next chapter Chapter number four, you can't do this alone. I talk a lot about community on the podcast because you can't do this alone. We're not intended to do things alone. We're not intended and created to do things with just God. I know a lot of people in Christian circles like to say, me and God's majority. Some truth to that, but God doesn't want you to just try to do this all by yourself or just with Him. God wants you to join 
with brothers in the faith, other fathers in this instance, to get through this journey. So I do talk about being intentional about connecting with dads, but another thing I talk about is making sure that you and your wife as a couple are in, are engaged with other couples, that you are growing together with other parents who are on the same path that you are on. There's, <laughs> let me tell you this. So my wife and I get together with two other couples each month, and we have a silly little group name that we use, but we get together for a quirky purpose. It's, it's just one of the big reasons that we use to get together. We want to get together all the time, but we make it fun and in our own little weird way. This is what we do. You can steal it if you want, or you can do your own thing. There are six of us, three couples. There are 12 months out of the year. We like to get together to celebrate birthdays. Now, obviously, between the six of us, we can't get together every month out of the year. It just doesn't add up. So what do we do? We celebrate somebody else's birthday when none of us have a birthday to celebrate. So for example, last month in August, we celebrated my sister's birthday. Was she there? No, she was not. But we did enjoy a cake that said, happy birthday, Amanda, on it. That's what we do. We get together. We have a fun gathering. At one point, we celebrate a birthday. We eat cake. We do something silly, but we get together. And we don't always talk about family. We don't always talk about work. Sometimes we play games. We just laugh. We are just with each other. You've got to have community. And as the, the leader of your home, you need to make sure that your wife has community as well. She might be great at connecting with other people. You need to make sure that y'all, let me use some Texas slang here, y'all as a couple are getting together with other couples. Chapter five is all about expectations. Expectations is a big struggle that we have in life in general, but specifically when we have children, we have a lot of different ideas at the start of this journey that we engage on called fatherhood. We have this idea that everything is going to be the same. This is why you should be willing to change, and I talk about it in chapter two. We think everything's just going to continue forward, that we're not going to be like all the other couples we've looked at with their kids and said, oh my goodness, I can't believe they allow them to behave that way. We're not going to be that family. We have expectations. And if you are a dad, you know those expectations usually don't get met. And that's just the way that it goes. We can't control everything. There are things that we can control about ourselves, but with our family and the dynamics and the way people grow and the things that our kids get involved in, we can't control everything. So to have rigid, overly optimistic expectations is not always the right way forward. So I lay out how to, how to form some good, healthy expectations, give you a really funny story that had a video I wanted to share on social media. My wife said, I will not be happy if you do that. So I interpreted that with some wisdom and decided to not post it, but I still have it on my phone. In chapter six, I talk about Q&A with your wife. This is not just having conversations with your wife. This is specific conversations to have with your wife. I hope you already know that conversation with your wife is crucial because communication builds trust. Trust is the foundation for relationship. Obviously, you want to have a great relationship with your wife, which means you have to have trust, which means you need to be talking to your wife and valuing what she has to say. 
That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having specific conversations. If you are a little further down the road, like I would consider myself to be at this point, some of these questions might generate a more difficult conversation because you're already into the thick of things. If you're early on, good. If you don't have kids yet, even better. But here are some of the things that I talk about. I give you nine questions. There's a lot of them, but again, this is a good place to start. So one of the questions is, how will we discipline? This is a conversation you need to have with your wife. You need to determine, are we going to tolerate screaming and yelling with yourself? I'm not talking about your kid because your kid's going to do that. I mean, when you're trying to correct your kid, are you going to be okay if you raise your voice? Are you going to be okay spanking your kid? Or do you not want to do that? Are you going to take things away? Are you going to ground your kid when they do certain things? How are you going to correct them when they do something wrong? How are you going to praise them when they do something right? Is it going to be a huge deal? Are you going to have some sort of a system? You need to think about how you're going to discipline your kids. I mean, one of the things that would just be horrible, and this happens, is let's say because men typically have the temper in the relationship, your kid does something and you lose it and you yell and scream at your kid and your wife looks at you and she's like, what in the world are you doing? You're a psychopath. And then you get upset because you think that your wife is taking the side of your kid who clearly did something wrong. And now you've created this huge storm of frustration and it could have all been avoided had you had the conversation at the beginning with your wife. How are we going to discipline our kids? What are we going to do? What's our approach? Let's figure this out and let's work on this together. Let me give you a lighter question just to make it a little bit easier. But number five that I have down here, will Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny be real to our kids? Not a huge deal breaker here, but you should still have a conversation about even something like this. I know couples, all the mythical characters are just that. They are mythical from day one. Their kids know that every gift underneath the Christmas tree came from mom and dad. They know that when they lose a tooth, that they'll just get a quarter or however much they're given from their parents. They don't put it under the pillow because there's no such thing as the tooth fairy. But in our home, we like the awe and the mystery of Santa Claus. So our kids know that we give them some presents, but you know, there's one or two that find their way underneath the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve when our kids are asleep, and they think that Santa Claus had something to do with that. We do that. I don't know that there's a wrong or right way to do it. I don't think it's worth debating, but you and your wife need to figure it out because you might think it's stupid, but your wife might really think it's important because of her childhood or whatever else. Talk about it, compromise, decide, do what's best. Have the conversation. I'll give you one more. Let's go back to the morbid side of things just to make this a happy ending here. In the event we die, who would we leave our kids to? Now, I know no one really wants to think about that. You never want to think about having an accident and your life being over way before it's supposed to be. I know nobody wants to do that, but you should do it anyway. It's a hard conversation in and of itself but you need to have that hard conversation because God forbid something happened to you unexpectedly and then there's a fallout dispute amongst your family as to who is going to take 
your child or your kids. You don't want that. Make it as easy as possible. You can probably go back and reference when a grandparent has passed away, someone who is older and you expect them to pass away and they didn't have a will. Well, because they didn't have a will, now everyone's like, well, I want some of that money. I want this and I want the house and I want the car. And it's not, it's not designated to anyone. There's no will that makes all these decisions for the family. And then the family just, it becomes a nasty fight. It becomes something that it should have never become, especially at a time like that. Avoid that. Have the conversation. You might think your mom is the best. She might think her sister is the best. You need to talk about it. And if you need to bring someone else in to help you and guide you on that conversation, do it. Doesn't mean you're weak. It means that you're just really trying to do the right thing. That's chapter six. Chapter seven, I leave you with a final word of encouragement. I'll just read this little excerpt from the book right here. The journey of fatherhood is not like the 100-meter dash. It is a lot closer to the cross-country jog Forrest Gump went on. Just keep running. I want you to be encouraged when it comes to fatherhood. I want you to know that you're going to do a good job. If you are putting forth the effort, you're going to do a good job. Just keep going. Because the journey of fatherhood only ends for you once you die. And even after that, you're always going to be the father to your children. They're going to reference things that you spoke into their lives that you did for them for the rest of their lives. You're always a dad, but you get to take a break and rest once you get to the end of your personal road. So keep running and be encouraged. And then at the end, I include some bonus tips. I have eight things that I state are worth knowing. I did a reel on social media on number eight, so I'll go ahead and give it to you here on the on the podcast. Lastly, it will be very easy to get caught up in taking care of a baby, but do not forget about your wife. Flowers, gift cards, foot rubs, and tiny handwritten notes will go a long way. And beneath that, I have this statement. Caution. These things could also result in another baby. So there's some good humor throughout this, but there's also a lot of good practical advice. It is condensed. It is shortened. The application exercises and questions prompt you to take the information and put it into action. You're not trying to give the right answer to these questions. You're trying to interpret the information in this book, and you're trying to make it make sense for you and for your family, because your family looks different than my family. I will answer some of these questions differently than you answer these questions, and that is okay. Go through the book, take in the information, and then make it fit your family. That's how the book is designed, and if you'll do that, you'll have a leg up on fatherhood. You'll be that much further down the path, and that's what you want. You want to be the dad your kids need you to be, and you'll achieve that by trying to grow and learn every day, trying to be a better dad every day. So that's the book that I've written, Cut the Crap, Direct Tips for Becoming a Dad by yours truly. It's available on Amazon. You can get it in the paperback version, ebook, audiobook. 
I will tell you that with the ebook, there are particular links that I have included, things that I use, resources that I utilize, things that my wife and I have purchased for the kids that we thought were beneficial and helpful. I'll tell you what, if you purchase the paperback version and you want the ebook because you want those links and resources, if you just send me an email showing me that you purchased the book, I'll send you the ebook. The email is fatheringourfuture at gmail.com. Buy one of these and you'll get the ebook for free. And I think this will help you. Again, this is a great resource for new dads and soon to be dads. But even if you consider yourself to be a young dad or you used to have kids at home, it's never too late to start doing some of these things. It's never too late to change your perspective. It's never too late to work on your expectations. It's never too late to change who you are and be willing to change. The sooner you work on these things, the better. So to the soon-to-be dads out there, here's your opportunity. To the new dads, here you go. To the dads who are a little seasoned, a little seasoned and you think you've messed up and that you've got nothing good left to give, that's not true. Get your copy, Cut the Crap, Direct Tips for Becoming a Dad, and I think this will be a huge blessing and resource for you. I mean, huge to some extent. It's only 50 pages. So anyway, you can get it at Amazon. Link's going to be in the description of this episode. And if you want the ebook with the links, fatheringourfuture at gmail.com, or if you have any questions, if you have feedback, again, you just contact me, fatheringourfuture at gmail.com. Well, thank you so much for being with me. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I hope you will join me next time. Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Father in Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.